0: All I can do is put my part out into the
1: world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful.
2: Hello and welcome back to Artfully Told. My name is Lindsay and I am so excited to share with you today. I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Robin Jamison, and she has a true heart for art and for expanding the reach of art to people who might not otherwise have um, participated in it. And she just has so many great insights just to share. She's an artist herself. She's had an amazing career. And thank you, Robin, so much for being here today. Lindsay, thank you. It's my pleasure. Totally. Wonderful. Well, if you don't mind, I'd love to start just by learning a little bit about you, maybe your background, how you got
1: into art, and just Mm -hmm. a little bit more about you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, really, it's more like art got into me (laughs) than I got into art. I've been an artist all my life. When other kids were playing with dolls and, and fire trucks and balls, I mean, I did some of that, but mostly you'd find me huddled over the floor painting or drawing and making things. So I've always, I've always known I was an artist or that I am an artist. And I was very, very fortunate in having parents who supported that, who supported my love of the arts. I, I dance, I play piano. I started as a little kid, I played violin, which I hated. So I played what I always wanted to play was the piano, but I, I demanded dancing lessons when I was three. <laughs> and in fact, dancing and and visual art were neck and neck in terms of what mm-hmm. I loved the best. And I realized that I it was the most practical thing I've ever done as a young person was, I realized that as a dancer, my career depended on other people. I mean, that's true of visual art as well, but I would have to be part of a, a dance company. Somebody would have to hire me, or I would have to start my own. And that after a certain age, I probably would be teaching. And I do love teaching, but with art, I knew that I could do it as long as I my arms would move and I had eyes to see. So I actually have continued to dance all my life, but I made my career as an artist. I did art. So, my parents gave me lots of extra art courses, as well as supporting me in going to art school when I was old enough to go to college. And then later, I got my master's degree. It was my parents really pushed me to get a degree in art education rather than just a straight visual art degree. And at the time, I was not pleased about that. But looking back, it was really a gift in disguise in that when you get a degree in art education, you have to take classes in every kind of art making, weaving, jewelry making, print making, everything, which I probably wouldn't have done. So it exposed me to different mediums and had me see what I really came out loving the best. And I've really always been a two-dimensional artist. My work is multimedia I've done video and sculpture or included three-dimensional aspects to my work. But even when I've done sculpture, it's been pretty much frontal. In my 20s, I had a job. I, I went through the whole fear of being a starving artist thing that so many people go through. And some people never get past, unfortunately, until I did a really transformational program. But... So I I had a job as a recreation instructor for the city of Fort Worth, and so I had all kinds of classes to teach. I taught piano lessons for the elderly in groups, people who had always wanted to play piano and never had. I taught ceramics for the blind, square dancing for mentally disabled people, all kinds of arts and... Oh, macrame. Wow. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> as well as other kinds of dancing so and of course art classes too and when I did the ceramic classes they were molded they were slip it's called slip cast ceramics you you make you have a mold and you pour this liquidified clay in it and it starts to dry and it hardens around the edges and then you can pull the mold off and then you have this shape and you you paint it you paint it with Glazes and I hated it. I just hated it. They were, it was, oh gosh, turkey Thanksgiving platters and, you know, just cute things that were not in line with my taste. But you know this as an artist, I'm sure that when you're immersed in any medium, even if it's something that you didn't choose, you find a way to work with it. So after a while, I started doing these slip cast mm-hmm. pieces, and then I would carve on them, and and I started doing these really fun, whimsical things. Like they would have, I, I would do like a night sky with clouds, and and then carve in rainbows and um, hearts and 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 all kinds of funny things like that. And people loved them. I created a business for myself of doing one of a kind slip cast ceramics and I started making my own molds and I did that for 12 years by the way I did pins and earrings and stuff too of those little like parrots and and hearts with wings and moons with each one had a different face and and it was really fun and then I got into more serious work with where I developed my own method of airbrushing under glazes and using wax to resist where the underglaze went and then firing off the wax and doing it again, and then firing off the wax and doing it again. And I came out with these layered images. They were really more than being traditional ceramics. They were paintings on ceramic. And it was really successful. I had them in galleries and they were by commission. I also did jewelry, like these big neck pieces and multi pieces of ceramic and big wall hanging things. And and really had a lot of fun with that and a time came when i started having the itch to do something else and i had always wanted to get my master's degree i had this in my family education was a high priority and i wanted to have the highest degree possible plus here's the thing i was married to an art dealer and wow. we yeah it was good yeah it was really great he sold all my work i mean it was really great in that respect, yeah. and we would go to art openings and meet artists and be around artists all the time. In at the time I was in Dallas, and I started to notice that the people, some people that we talked to, were saying things about the art that went over my head. I I knew they were it was it wasn't baloney that they were saying. It was something valid and. That, but I didn't quite grasp it. And I, and I started to ask people who spoke that way about their education. And just about every one of them had a master's degree in art. So I thought, well, there's some gold there. You know, not only do I want to be as highly educated as I can in my field, but I also want whatever that is that they were seeing that I wasn't seeing. And it is what happened. And when I went back to graduate school, I started out in sculpture. Because my whole portfolio at that point was ceramics and they wouldn't put me in the painting program. And then later I switched over to painting, which really painting and drawing, which again it's two-dimensional. It's really what I'm best at and what I love the most to do. So I got my master's in fine art and I got what I was looking for in that respect. And while I was in graduate school, I also had the great luck to stumble into an environment that opened up the direction of my work in an unexpected way and Mm -hmm. I'd always before that I was kind of all over the place I hadn't chosen a direction really I could do anything I could I could paint all different styles Mm -hmm. I could paint all different kinds of subject matter never never really traditional more more forward thinking but I hadn't really got my own thing going. And friends of mine owned a mannequin factory. And I thought that sounded really interesting. They agreed to let me come and look at their mannequins to come visit their mannequin factory. They were very lifelike mannequins. They had facial expressions that had expressed moods, mostly kind of somber. And they were kind of creepy in a really interesting way. And I, and I just became enamored of them. And I asked the people if I could come and do photographs. So I came more than one time and spent like a whole day lighting them different ways and putting it together different ways and taking photographs of these mannequins. And they became the basis for my work for quite a while. So, I started doing mannequins. And what fascinated me about the mannequins, besides that they were so interesting visually, and also that I always have loved the human figure, but I didn't want to just do figure drawings or figure paintings that weren't anything else. What fascinated me about them was that they reminded me of the fact that we tend to attribute human characteristics to things that aren't actually people, like to our pets and to dolls, and to different inanimate objects will go, oh, that looks like such a happy doll, or, oh, that doll looks so sad. And yet, we tend to also objectify each other. And this is a little bit of a heavy, heavy topic, but if you look at, for the longest time, we didn't operate in our world like people across the globe were the same as us. We would hear about starvation and not Necessarily think of it like someone close to us. Like we wouldn't necessarily feel responsible for helping. And I think that's a function of objectifying people that are either different from us or far from us. And I wanted to talk about that in my artwork. So that's part of what I was doing with the mannequins, is pointing at that. And before I left graduate school, I did my graduate thesis of work and i actually used real women and portrayed them as if they were inanimate objects i made them like mannequins and wow. did a project <laughs> and i did a project where i had there were four women all of different ages different heights and builds and i did a charcoal drawing that ended up encased in an aluminum frame that I made myself to look encased. And they were all black and white, no color. And they were encased and they weren't, and they were sitting to represent that they weren't really empowered. And then I did a painting of each one. And on the painting, the women, each woman was standing and a portion of the interview I did with the woman was transcribed on the painting. And there were four of them. And They were legible to different degrees. So I always provide the actual transcript. And it was, and then the video took the interviews that I did and had them edited down into kind of bullets. Like, he always talked about me this way. And it was all about relationships. And so then I made these a video of each woman. It was called Woman as Object. And then one more piece of it was actually a loan that I got from a man I know in Colorado, and he made this thing called a metaphaser. (laughs) He's an inventor, and he made this thing called a metaphaser, and he let me use it in my show. So the metaphaser, it's this thing on a stand. It looks like a, a square box with mirrors and lights, and one person stands on one side of it, and another person stands on the other side of it, and the light starts flashing. And if the room is dark, you can see what you two would look like if you were combined. And what I did with it was I put a mannequin on one side. And then you could stand in front of it, put, line your face up with the mannequin's face, and see what you would look like if you were a part mannequin. <laughs> wow, that sounds so cool. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. And he he made those for celebrities. He, um, Ringo Starr has one. Share has one, I believe. Yeah, they were they were a thing. Oh, wow, that's amazing! Med- <laughs> oh, and I love line. the name too. Yeah, <gasps> science fiction oh, name, the metaphor. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness, it's amazing. Yeah. So after I finished getting my master's degree, I moved shortly thereafter from Dallas to Austin. I've been working here ever since. My work has gotten more feminist. Mm -hmm. I should say womanist. I think I like that better because it's not about a movement. It's about um, portraying, having my work speak to women's concerns. And also a lot of really personal work. And when I started, when I was doing my preparing, when I was in graduate school, I started using actual text on my paintings and drawings and incorporating words in different ways. And I've continued to do that in most of my work. So that's it on my work. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you have had an amazing journey and gotten to do so many unique things with your art. Like you've said, you've, you've actually dabbled in so many different ones that your perspective is really unique. And I think that's really incredible. And I think that gives you so much richness to draw from because now you're kind of in a a little bit of a different direction, it sounds like. And yeah, I would love to hear you share about the, well, I I guess I know a little behind the scenes, but you're working on a book. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes. I have a mission. Thank you for asking about that. I'm so excited about it. I didn't mention that after I got out of undergraduate school, my first job was as a guard in a museum in a very progressive modern art museum. And I would listen to what people were saying when they were visiting the, the museum and so many people seemed frustrated and they would say, I'm sure you've heard these things. My five-year-old could do that or anybody mm-hmm. could do that. That what makes that art? And clearly people were baffled, frustrated, not everyone And I thought, wow, these are the people who are at the museum. These aren't the people who have given up already. And here's what they're saying. They are not loving it. And I would look at the same art that they were looking at and be completely awestruck, be thrilled and blown away. And I could hardly believe my good fortune to be in that museum so much of the time and i would go and see the same show day after day until it got changed and even so every single day was wonderful seeing it and i thought i have to do something about that this is there's so much richness here and i know that that everyone can have access to it i know it and i started paying attention to other things i would ask people questions like well what do you, How do you think art should be? Or what is it about that that bothers you? And And what I could hear underneath people's comments was that they had ideas about what was art and what wasn't art and what was good art and what wasn't good art. The ideas probably started in their childhood and they just hadn't been exposed or educated beyond that. And we all know that when we're little kids, the school artist, the class artist, is the kid who can draw the best. So of course we would think, oh, how yeah. I know art is good is that it's really well drawn, right? And if you look at, and if you look at a lot of Picasso's work, even or or the work now that doesn't even have drawing a lot of times, of course you would think, well, that's ridiculous. How am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to appreciate that? It's not good drawing. Or it didn't take a long time to make. Or it doesn't have pretty colors. And we've developed our taste, from many, many of us at a really young age, and haven't had the opportunity to develop it further. Sure. So I started writing a book. And the book is designed to open it up for everyone. And... I tested it. I didn't test the book, although I am testing the book on the person who's helping me write it because she's not an art person. It's fascinating. But back starting a long time ago, I started taking people on museum tours. I called it modestly the Robin Art, Robin Jameson Art Tour. And I would take people, like <laughs> 10 people at a time, and and I would put them in front of a piece of art and I would ask them to choose something that they immediately felt discomfort with or they didn't like, like to especially pick a piece of work that did not draw them in at first. And then I just asked them to stay in front of it for a while. I'd say, I'm going to come back for you in 15 minutes and just stay here. You can think whatever you think, experience whatever you experience. You can move closer to the work and farther from the work. You can move around it, move to different sides to see it from different angles, but stay with this piece of work. And when I came back without even any direction, people said, wow, it's not the same anymore. When I really looked at it more, I found some things about it that were really interesting. And I noticed that I had some reactions in my body and I noticed that it looked different. And I noticed it was different when I got close from when I got back and I noticed that there were great big brush strokes so i could imagine the artist moving his arm or you know really like a huge motion or the, or it wanted, i wanted to get really up close to it and i could see all these details that i didn't see and i noticed that i felt upset or i noticed that i felt happier i noticed that I, so people would start to actually have an experience and that was where the gold was and wow. and people said And and then, you know, there was more to the tour, and I would ask people to notice certain things after a while and to think about certain things and what if and how about, but all questions, not answers. And it didn't require any academic learning at all. None. You didn't have to understand color theory. You don't have to understand compositional theory. You don't have to understand art history, really. Art is delicious when it's purely experienced. And yes, it's mm-hmm. it's fun and valuable to know things about it if you like to do that. And I encourage yeah. it. But I know that it's not it's not what gives you that amazing experience. And that's a lot of what my book is about. It's debunking beliefs that people have that get in the way. It's directing people in other directions. And it's letting them know, letting people know that it's really for everyone, no matter how avant-garde it is, no matter how weird it is, there's no reason why it shouldn't be accessible to, to, to you, to everyone.
2: I love that. And listeners of this podcast would especially probably appreciate that because they know where I'm coming from as well. And just trying to share art with more people, because I think there is so much to art. And I love your perspective of when you take more time with it and when you have a little more even context sometimes or or just a guide like you have been it makes all the difference in the world to yeah. ex, you know an experience that someone can have especially if that's not their
1: thing it's really true and i like a really non-traditional approach so when i took on writing the book or it actually i started a whole, really long time ago and kept starting and stopping But I also had a vision of speaking, being a speaker for the difference that art makes and especially the part that people feel so locked out of. And why I'm so passionate about that is because it is a reflection of our culture. Yes, Impressionism is beautiful. Yes, the old masters were awesome. I mean, what they did was incredible. Such mastery and such expression. But today's art, is today's art, and nothing else is, and it gives you artist's perspective and artist's insight into what it's like to be alive right now. And so, a few months ago, well, in May, I was in a conference called the Conference for Global Transformation, and it was full of people who had a vision and were in action on realizing their vision, and. I got in touch with the fact that I really wanted to do more than just write a book. So the book became part of what it takes for for my mission, which is for everyone to have access to the art of our time and to be able to relate to it and appreciate it. And so I've been in action ever since every single day, and this is part of it, to spread the word for people to begin to Open that up. Open that door. I've been assembling a team, and I'm writing a song, and I'm going to be doing podcasts similar to what you're doing, and um, traveling and speaking. That's my vision. So that the the rest of my life will be devoted to having that happen. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, and
2: again, I love I love your heart behind art, and I love what you're trying to do with it. Do you have any specific stories that you particularly wanted to share today?
1: Let's see. Oh, yeah. I have, here's one. Yes. <laughs> I love this. And it really speaks to having freedom around art and not thinking that every single piece has to look the same to everyone or have a certain meaning. I was at a gallery and there was this little girl. She was about seven and she was pointing at a at a work of art. And she said, Mom, look, it's got a taco in it. And her mom was kind of going, Shh. and the artist was there. It was an opening. The artist was there and she overheard it. And she came up and she said, oh, you're right. That there is a taco in it. I never saw that before. Thank you so much. Isn't that great? It's really parallel with my message that however it is for you is valid. Even if you right. hate it, enjoy hating it. You know, look at you. What is it that you hate about it? And get into it, you know give it some time look and see what is it what is that
2: oh my goodness um,
1: <laughs> so one of the chapters in my book is about this is a story about you know I've been calling all these people some of whom I've known before and some I never knew just when I I would get connected to them by odd ways just like I was introduced to you and I got this one guy on the phone he's a filmmaker and I was interested in having him get involved with this mission and I was telling him about the benefits. So there's a chapter in the book about the benefits, and it includes that it levels out your, it's been proven that it evens out your heartbeat to spend time with art, that it it um, levels your cortisol. It has cognitive benefits, that your brain works better. Kids test smarter after just one visit to an art museum. They took 10,000 kids and did this test with them, and, and it was like a very high percentage tested higher just after one visit and not right after either. They would do wait a month. Anyway. So I was telling this guy about the benefits. He's a physicist and a filmmaker and entrepreneur, interesting guy. And I started telling him about the benefits and he goes, he starts going, yeah, I can just see it. Like you go to work after you go to work and, and you're talking to your colleague and, and your colleague says, Hey, I see you got a raise how'd you do that? And the person says, oh, I've been going to the art museum <laughs> over lunch, or or I see that you got engaged. Yes, I've been looking at modern art, and I've gotten so much more relaxed, and my the woman I've been pursuing now finally accepted my proposal. <laughs> so he was actually seeing it in terms of how it would affect people in their everyday life, and it was so delightful. Isn't that great? That- That's amazing. I love it. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it sounds funny, but it really is true. It really is true that participating with art has an enormous impact on our well-being. Yeah, that's awesome. That is amazing. So, yeah, well,
2: thank you again so much, Robin, for sharing more about your experience with art and what you're kind of passionate about right now. And if it's okay with you, I do have a couple of questions that I always like to ask my guests. Sure. Awesome. So the first is going to be how do you personally define art or what is art to you?
1: Okay. Well, I'm a, I would say that I'm a little bit of an art snob. So, I consider art anything that is created with the intention for it to be for its only function to be presented and appreciated. For me, art is music, poetry, literature, dance, visual art, film. And for me, originality is important.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. And what do you think is the most important role of an artist? Well, the role of the artist is to create and to create authentically from the heart. I think the, the role of the artist also includes sharing what they've created. Okay.
2: And then, do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And I'll define Uh my terms a little bit with that. uh, Yeah. So with inclusive, it's the audience or the, you know, spectator essentially has a little bit of context to what the art is, whether it's a painting or whatever. They have a little bit behind it, either it could be something as simple as a title that's kind of helpful or or it could be program notes or something like that. So the artist kind of invites somebody into their own interpretation, per per se, versus exclusive, meaning that the artist creates something, shares it with the world, but doesn't provide much or any context to it. So then it's completely kind of up to the audience to determine what they
1: think. (laughs) Both. My, My preference is... That people experience the art first and then find out what the artist has to say about it or what the museum has to say about it so that they really get their own experience first and so that they're not looking to agree, you know, so that like the artist says it's about this. So then when I when I go and look at the art, then I think, well, it's about that instead of having it be really open-ended. So I really prefer for people to to have their own experience first and then to see what the artist says about it. And even even after seeing what the artist says about it or what the clues are, to still not have it be like a quiz. Like, oh, I got it right. Or I didn't get it right. I really think that it's personal, ultimately, to yeah. each, to each individual. I also don't want artists to be so... What like so exclusive as you put it that they won't share what they were up to right absolutely well thank
2: you again so much robin and if people want to get in contact with you continue with your journey of speaking and writing this book and and your own artwork is there a way that they can do that
1: oh yes absolutely feel free to email me at robin and i spell robin with a y R O B Y N at robin spelled the same Jamison J A M I S O N dot com so it's robin at robinjamison dot com which robinjamison dot com is also my website for my own artwork and then I'm also on Instagram and um, I would love 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 to hear from people especially anyone who might want to get involved in the yeah. in my mission for the world awesome and. And anyone who's interested in any further conversation is more than welcome to contact me. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. Well, again, Robin, thank you
2: so much for sharing with us today. But thank you in general for creating art and thank you for sharing it. And especially now, I really love what your mission is and Your desire to connect art with people, because you know how impactful it can be for everyone to engage in art. So thank you so much for what you're doing. I can't wait to read
1: the book. I'm excited to be a small little part. You're a pretty big part, and thank you. I do want to also (laughs) say, I must say, add that the title of the book is "The Magic of Modern Art." It's not out yet. It's going to be out next year.
2: Okay, folks. So keep your eyes open for that because you'll definitely want to grab a copy when it comes out. And thank you to all of you who have listened to this episode and we will
0: catch you next. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been artfully told. Hey Artfully Told listeners, I'm excited to share with you about Audible. As a podcast listener yourself, you already know how great it is to listen to something while you're driving or doing dishes or whatever it is. Audible has thousands of titles of audiobooks as well as podcasts and other cool things, and they're offering a free audiobook to Artfully Told listeners when you sign up for a free trial membership. You'll have 30 days to decide if Audible is right for you, and you can cancel at any time without being charged and still keep your free audiobook. Sign up for your free trial and audiobook at www.audibletrial.com slash told. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash artfully told. Thanks, Artfully.